five. And I just got to know, Lauren, every night when you go to, where's Lauren? Every night when you go to bed, does your wife kind of just lean over and go, love has a name for me. And it's Lauren. Man, that would be awesome. Beverly, that's a good idea. Amen. Well, the Lord is good. Turn around and tell your neighbor, the Lord is good. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to jump right back in. And I've got, I've got 29 minutes. And if you will amen me real good and you'll stay engaged, I promise I won't speak over an hour. Amen. Okay. I always say to new crowds, you know, if you want to hurry this thing up, say amen. Or, or at least smile and nod. Because if you don't do either one of those, I, I think you didn't understand me. And so I just keep repeating myself over and over and over again because I want you to understand me. So how many of you want to hustle this up this morning? Amen, Amen and smile and nod at the same time. Amen. We've been talking about uh, who we are, discovering our true identity in Christ. And our, our, in fact, look at your neighbor and say, who are you anyway? Who are you? Well, it's not really the question to be asking, actually. It's the look at our own life and say, who am I? What has God created me to be and what is my identity in Christ? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, that's a powerful verse. It's a life-changing verse if you'll really appropriate it into your life. You see, the key is being in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. The word in means in a fixed position, established, settled. The problem with a lot of Christians is they don't get settled. They don't get fixed and established in a relationship with Christ. Jesus said this in John 15, 5. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. Everyone say, abides in me and I in him. In other words, he lives on the inside of us, but we've got to abide in him as well. It's a two-pronged uh, uh, promise. If He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. You're productive. And then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, the reason a lot of people are living life, a lot of Christians are living life going, well, preacher, I'm a Christian, but old things aren't passed away. It's, it's not because Jesus doesn't live in you. It's because you're not abiding in him. Now, that was already good preaching right there. Smile and nod, amen. And so that's what we've been talking about, and I want you to embrace that verse. And we've been looking to Scripture and, and endeavoring to discover who we are in Christ. And let me tell you this. When you begin to discover who you are, it'll change who you are. I'm going to say it again. When you begin to really discover who you are in Christ... It will change who you are. You'll become more like him. That's what we're talking about. We've been looking at the Bible and realizing that we're sons of God. All the sons of God say amen. amen. All the lady sons of God say amen. 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 You're a child of God. You've been adopted into the family of God. You're born again into God's family. We're sons. And then we learned that we're saints. All the saints say hallelujah. Well, some people think you've got to do a lot of good works to be a saint and somebody with a big hat or something and a big robe kind of do something over you and declare you a saint. My Bible tells me when you're born again, you become his child. You are chosen. You are separated unto God. You're a saint of God. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, who, by the way, had issues. Yes, they did. 
You know, in this room today right here, let me just be honest with you, a lot of us have issues. But even though they had issues, he said, to the saints of God, to the sanctified in Christ, those who were called saints, what was he declaring over them? What they, who they were in Christ. Because he knew if they could get a hold of who they were in Christ, it would change who they are. Amen. And so we're saints of God. Then we talked about the fact that we're members in the body of Christ. And let me just say, this is not who we're aspiring to be. This is who we are. In fact, the Bible says that, that, that there's good and bad uh, um, ambassadors. And we'll look at that in a moment. And, and uh, ambassadors for Christ and, and saints of God. And it doesn't matter. You know, this is our identity. We're sons of God. We're saints of God. We're members of the family of God. The Bible says members individually together. And then we've kind of camped out on this last one, ambassadors for Christ. All the ambassadors say Amen. In fact, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. You can look at that. Uh, gosh, for the sake of time, I'm going to jump right down to verse 20. It says, now then. And the reason the now then is there, it's because he's talking to people who've been born again. They've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And, they're, and they've been committed to, uh, God's committed to them the word of reconciliation. That's our responsibility as ambassadors. And, you know, an ambassador is a representative of Jesus Christ. And this verse says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so we're ambassadors. That means you're a representative. An ambassador is a, is a delegated authority. And we learned last Sunday that as ambassadors, we have authority. We're the delegated authority of Jesus Christ. He's given us his authority to speak for him and to minister for him and be his hands extended into a world that is so desperately in need of a Savior. And so we're ambassadors for Christ. And now the warning, though, is this. Proverbs 13, verse 17 says, A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. You see, you're an ambassador. You just may not be a very good one. How many of you want to be a faithful ambassador and bring health and healing to a world that needs Christ? And so that's what we're talking about today with the fact that we're ambassadors and we realize that we have authority. Now today, very quickly... Uh, I say that in tongue in teeth very quickly. Let me talk to you about the ambassador's attitude. Some of you came in here with an attitude. Oh, man, I didn't want to be here. Some of you came in here with a good attitude. Man, I'm so excited to be in church. In fact, uh, one of my new, um, um, I can't, April, where's April? April, where are you? Are you still in the house? I think it was April. April, somebody. I read her Facebook. She said, I'm so excited about church. I'm so excited about church. I can't wait for church. I can't wait for church. I can't wait for church. And I, I put in there, I can't wait either. I'm excited. Some of you got a good attitude. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I see at least three important ambassador attitudes that all of us need to carry as ambassadors for Christ. Again, let me say to you, I'm not speaking about something you will one day be. You are already an ambassador for Christ. This is not something we're attaining to. We're not trying to work towards being sons of God. We are. We're not trying to work towards being a good saint. We already are. We're not trying to one day be a good member or a member in the body of Christ. We already are. And we are ambassadors for Christ. 
And we have to have a right attitude. And, you know, John Maxwell, one of the great leadership gurus and authors, he has a lot to say about attitude. You know, he says attitude is everything. Uh, and then he came back and said, well, maybe it's not everything, uh, but it is the, di- the great difference maker. How many of you know attitude is the great difference maker in life? And so, you know, uh, whatever you're doing in life, attitude is hugely important. In fact, he gives an illustration. I don't know if there's any pilots in the house. My father was a pilot, and I've learned something a little bit about being a pilot and, and the instrument panel. On every, in every airplane, there, there should be at least two uh, important instruments. One is the alt- altimeter. It gives you the altitude. Good. The next one is actually called the attitude. And if you see, if you, if you Google this, you can see it's, it's an instrument that shows you if your wings are level, if you're flying level. You know, sometimes you can be flying and, and if you're not looking at your attitude, you can actually be off course and eventually crash. And John Maxwell said this years ago, your attitude uh, determines your altitude and your altitude determines your destiny. You see, if your attitude gets off, eventually you will. I had one person that was in on that. For all you visitors today, this is group participation. You're supposed to smile and nod, say amen, and fill in the blanks. Here we go. If your attitude is off, you will eventually. Thank you so very much. And how many of you don't want to crash in life? When you come to the close of your life, you want to hear Jesus say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You fulfilled God's purpose for for your life as an ambassador for Christ. And that's what God wants to do in our life. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 reveals some attitudes. I want to show them for you this morning. The first ambassador's attitude that I see in Scripture here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is the attitude of confidence. I love people who are confident. And the Bible talks a lot here about being confident as an ambassador for Christ. You You see, if an ambassador had no confidence, he would not be an ambassador. He would never have been delegated the responsibility of ambassador. He's got to be able to confidently confidently stand up and rightly represent the the authority that placed him in that position. And the authority that we are representative of today is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we need to have a great confidence in that. Let me show you this in Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul begins this chapter saying this, For we know, everyone say, for we know. You see, that that breeds confidence right there. Knowledge of God brings confidence. For we know that if our earthly house, that is this tent, speaking of our body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. Not sure if I'm going today. I've got a lot to do. But if I do, I have confidence in him. I'm not concerned about eternity. I have confidence. He goes on to talk about the fact that that we have eternal perspective. And look what he says on down in verse, uh, oh, really, look at verse 6. Let's jump in there. So we are always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Everyone say always confident. Let me ask you today, are you always confident in Christ? Are you always confident in, in your commitment to Christ? Listen, God wants to work an ambassador's attitude in you that is always confident, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation, standing up. How can we do that? Why should we do that? Well, the Bible, he says this, verse 7, the reason we're always confident, he said, knowing that while I'm at home in the body, uh, we are absent from the Lord. Look at verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. 
How can I be confident in the world I live in? Because I'm not looking at the world I'm living in. I'm walking by faith and not by what I see with my natural eyes. You see, a lot of people uh, look at what they see and it determines what they believe. Listen, my Bible teaches me that I'm not going to, to, uh, to believe based on what I see. I'm going to believe uh, God's Word despite what I see in the world around me. I walk by faith and not by sight. Therefore, I have great confidence as an ambassador for Christ. Listen carefully. We've got to have great confidence in him. He said, for I walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased. Look at verse 8. To be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now, what does Paul seeing in the world around him? Well, look in chapter 4. Let's back up a little bit. Look in verse 8, chapter 4. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. How many of you know Paul had some issues? He had some circumstances going on. But he was not walking and living life based upon the the present-day experiences. He said, I'm hard-pressed. I'm persecuted. I'm in despair. Pardon me. I'm I'm perplexed, but not in despair. Struck down, but not destroyed. I wish I had time to to keep moving on, but look at at what he says in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. The reason he said therefore is because the verses above, he talked about we've been given the spirit of faith and the same resurrection power that Jesus had when he was raised from the dead abides and lives within us. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Catch this. I'm going to, hey, you better listen to this one. For, out of, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, which we do not look at the things that are seen. We're not letting what we see, what we're experiencing, determine what we believe. We base our belief on what thus saith the Lord. He said, we don't look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. Turn around and tell somebody, it's only temporary. Give us a break. Come on. It's only temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. The ambassador's attitude ought to be one of confidence. Living life with a great confidence. Hey, I'm on my way to heaven. Hey, Jesus lives on the inside of me in this momentary light affliction that I'm going through. It's only for a moment. It's actually working for me a far more greater and eternal weight of glory. Pastor, are you being insensitive to my circumstances? No, but what I'm trying to do is get you to a place where you can get on through those things rather than hang out there for the rest of your days. And begin to realize who you are as an ambassador for Christ. Regardless of the circumstances of your life. Amen. It's an attitude of confidence. Number two, the second attitude uh, is this. It's not only an attitude of confidence. I see this. It's an attitude of readiness. Oh, now, there's so much here, but let me just give you two thoughts about Paul the Apostle. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, he says this, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent. Oh, let me look at verse 2 first. He said, For in this we groan earnestly, speaking of heaven, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Paul was ready to go to heaven. Now, I'm not ready to go to heaven. 
Paul seemed to be ready to go to heaven, but you know what? We ought to all be ready to go to heaven. And ambassadors understand that their living life on this life is temporal. Did you know planet Earth is the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere on planet, in the world, everywhere, anywhere? It's a little vapor when you think about eternity. And he said, man, my body's grown and I'm desiring to be in heaven. I'm ready to go. Then he says in verse 9, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, that is, whether in heaven or on earth, to be well-pleasing to God. I am ready to please him and to help him and to be whatever he wants me to be because I am his ambassador. I'm ready to serve him in heaven. I'm ready to serve him on earth. You know, a lot of people are so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. How many of you know God wants us to be ready on both sides? In fact, when you look, if you looked over in Philippians, I love what he told the Philippian church. He told the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 2, you could read uh, the totality of it. But verse 1, chapter 23, he said, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So he was ready. He was ready to help and, and to serve. We learned in Proverbs that a good, faithful ambassador brings health. We need to be ready for heaven, and we need to be ready to bring healing to the body of Christ and bring the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that is so desperately in need of someone who, who takes a hold of the word of reconciliation and begins to speak, as the Bible says here, as though the very oracle of God be reconciled to God. You see, we've got to have the right attitude. If we get our attitude off, we're going to crash and burn. But understand something. We've got to be ready to help and to minister and to serve. We've been committed the word of reconciliation. It is our responsibility. We are his hands extended. We are ambassadors for Christ. We cannot continue to give excuses as those in Scripture. Jesus said, come and follow me. They said, let me go bury my father. Let me do this. Let me do that. And then one day I'll follow you. In this room this morning, there are people who have been giving God excuses for years about why they're not going to step up and, and begin to be what he's really called them to be. And, and, and created them to be, you are an ambassador for Christ, for goodness sake. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Smiling nods. Amen. I'm already through point two. And then finally today, the ambassador's attitude ought to be one of servitude. As an ambassador, we, just serve, we don't serve ourselves. We serve him. I'm here at his good pleasure. Amen? I'm here at his good pleasure. That verse 9, I read it in a moment. Therefore, we make it our aim. Listen carefully. Whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. That sounds like a, servitude, a servant's heart to me. I just want to do what pleases God. I just do, I want to do what makes him happy. And what makes him happy is you and I being good ambassadors, faithful ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Whew. That's what makes God happy. We are servants of him at his good pleasure. In fact, Paul the Apostle in other places in, in the New Testament, he said, you know, I've thought about this. I've wrestled with this. Whether I should please man or God, I, I choose God. 
I want to be pleasing to him. I want to serve him all the days of my life. Verse 14 and 15, he said, For the love of God compels us. Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all. That those who live, catch this, here's the phrase, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. All the Christians say amen. What he's saying is, if you've experienced the new life which is in Christ, you are no longer your own. You're a bond servant and a bond slave of God. And the responsibility we have, we no longer live for ourselves. That's not what ambassadors do. They don't live for themselves. There's a, there's a culture in America today that has weaved its way into the Christian world that really it's all about me. It's not all about you. In fact, as my friend Ron Hammond says, God has a plan. He will succeed even if it cost him your life. He's never been opposed to sacrificing his own for the sake of the kingdom. And we are his servants. And I think we need to embrace this verse 15, 14 and 15. Hey, I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for him. I think of Paul at the close of his life, a sad little side note in 2 Timothy chapter 4 he said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. One of his sidekicks, one of his, one of his uh, uh, young protégés, one of his disciples, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. My goodness. I hope that's not said of me. I hope that's not said of you. I hope what we embrace today is the attitude of servitude when it comes to our responsibility as ambassadors for Christ. This is who I am. It's not who I aspire to be. It's who I am. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I am his child. I'm a son of God. I've been bought with a price. I've been adopted into the family of God. I'm a saint of God. Not because of what I've done, but because of what he has done. This is who I am. And I am now his ambassador. And I walk by faith and not by sight. In fact, this moment, and listen, let me just say, as an ambassador, you and I ought to expect trouble. In fact, one of the great promises of Scripture. How many of you ever have a pick a promise on your kitchen table? A little bread, a loaf of bread thing with all the pick a promise. You know, it, you never pick this out. Pick this out, John 14, I think John 16. Oh, in the world you'll have tribulation. Oh, hallelujah, I claim that promise. <laughs> but it's a promise. But he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Amen. And so regardless of what's going on in the world around us, we have the responsibility as ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ, and our attitude should always reflect that fact. In fact, let me just say, as a pastor, I deal with a lot of people's issues. That's my responsibility, and I'm not very good at it sometimes. But one th let me just tell you, one of the things that gets under my skin you, can I be honest? Can we talk? It's sour attitudes. Man, the spirit of slap comes on me, Lauren. I'm telling you, preacher, i got to confess. When people just carry that bad attitude, eh, me, 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 I say, well, come here, let me, come a little closer, let me bless you. 
I'm going to lay hands on you suddenly. Maybe I can adjust your attitude. Hey, we're ambassadors for Christ. We've been called to serve. We've been created. Our attitude ought to be one of servitude. Well, preacher, I love being a servant, but those people down at the church, they treat me like one. Well, that's who we are. We have a responsibility to adjust our attitude. Don't make the spirit of slap come on me. Save yourself some pain. Don't make the preacher rumble with you in the altar. Well, no, no. Let's just adjust this thing. This is who I am. I'm confident in who I am. And I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to help and bring healing. It's been committed to me, the word of reconciliation. I have a responsibility. I'm here to serve. This is who I am until Jesus comes. And whether here or there, I make it my aim. The target of my life is to please him. What are you aiming at today? Well, preacher, I'm aiming at a good education. I'm aiming at, at uh, uh, you know, 150 a year. I'm hanging at, I'm aiming at, uh, you know, getting me one of them hot mamas like Lauren has. I'm hang, I'm, I, I need me one of them. Uh, yeah, preacher. What are you aiming at? Come on, let's be honest. As an ambassador... We've got to make it our aim to please Him. Because that's who we are. Amen. Now, I can't really adjust your attitude. I never could really adjust my children's attitude much. You know, my kids are here. They're, Nathan's in California. And by the way, he's kind of the reason the, the Bartons are here. Just kind of a unique divine connection, you know. I, I was texting him and said, Hey, I need a worship leader for Sonny. The one I thought I had fell through. He said, uh, uh, uh. A friend of mine has some people staying with them. Boom, 30 minutes later, they're on their way to Beaumont. That's pretty awesome. You know, Nathan's attitude was harder to adjust. <laughs> Stacy, I could look at her and go, And she go, I'm sorry, Daddy. <laughs> Hey, the best way is for us just to yield to him because we are his ambassadors. A wicked servant, pardon me, a a wicked messenger falls into trouble. But a faithful ambassador brings health. How many of you want to be a faithful ambassador with the right attitude? Let's stand up together. Look at there. I got two minutes. Father, today I thank you For the word of the Lord. I thank you that today, Lord, as we stand together, you're right here to help us. And Lord, I pray today for everyone in this room. And in fact, I sense a real anointing to bring healing. In fact, just a few moments ago, they sang a little song about the healer. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ brings healing. Let's bow our heads before the Lord.
today as we close this service, it's really the apex moment of opportunity. The reason we've done all the things we do is to provide, a you, provide you an opportunity to respond. You know, there's people in this room, you need a church home like you need your next breath of air. You're starving for fellowship. You're starving for a family. Listen to me. We're members of the body of Christ. You can't survive all separated and unconnected. There are people here today, you're, you're not really connected to Christ the way you need to be. Yes, He lives in your heart, but you're not abiding in Him. He's abiding in you, but you're not abiding in Him. You need to get that fixed today. And begin to say, Lord, I give myself wholeheartedly to you, and I want to fix myself in Christ Jesus. There also may be people today you've never really made a commitment to Christ. Today you want to make that real. Something on the inside of you knows you're sick spiritually. You're lost and without Christ. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I've never really made a commitment to Christ.